Heaven is like, heaven is like, heaven is like nothing else, heaven is like heaven, heaven is like, say it again, paradise, good, heaven is like, church, good, heaven is like home, heaven is like, Best place on earth. Heaven is like ultimate worship. Watch that. Church on vacation. Megan, church is, I mean, heaven is like a bite. <laughs> heaven is like nothing else. I, I asked, what's that? Worth fighting for. Good. I asked myself that question, and one of the first things that came that came to my mind was the chocolate brownies behind me, because they're from what I understood they're made of chocolate and zucchini. So heaven can be, in a sense, at least in my mind, compared to a chocolate brownie that's made out of zucchini, it's healthy for you and it's delicious. That's paradise. That's Heaven is like what? Well, what's that for? Oh, I have more space. Thank you. <laughs> Heaven is like, and so the Apostle John, the Spirit of God through the Apostle John, is going to tell us what heaven is like, how heaven is described. We have some ideas that we can think of in our own hearts and our own heads. But from what we've learned, even this morning, we said this. Heaven is very real. It's maybe physical is not the right idea because the grass withers. Sorry, the grass withers and the flesh fades. The word of God stands forever. You know, the second law of thermodynamics, everything we see is going to eventually fall apart. And even it's going to be burned up by God. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But heaven is something, new Jerusalem, the new earth, it will be eternal. But it's still very, very real. We also said that heaven is going to be the most wealthy place ever in the whole universe. The health and wealth prosperity gospel is false. However, the truth is that if you know Jesus, you're going to be eternally wealthy and healthy. The prosperity gospel is false. However, the truth is, if you know Jesus, you're going to be eternally healthy and wealthy beyond belief. That's the truth. We also learned that... If you're in heaven, then you've already decided to follow him and he's given you a new heart and he's glorified you and regenerated you. We also said that heaven is designed especially for you, especially for you, purposely for you. We also said that it's more beautiful than any place in the universe. Now, we're going to say a few more. I have a lot more. I kind of have to probably edit as I go. But what are some other components of heaven? Remember what we said. We said that 
right now we're camping out. You know, we have a lot of tents, campers. It's kind of fun, but it's temporary. It's for four days, right? But actually, what we do every day in our normal life is camping compared to heaven. Okay, And we talked about heaven's going to be awesome. Why? Because you're going to be there. So I'm looking forward. Maybe you're not looking forward to it. I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to spending forever with me. We're going to spending forever with everybody, with right, with everybody that's saved. So heaven's going to be glorious because you're there. Heaven's going to be glorious because it's a glorious place. But most of all, Jesus is going to be there. But also then, another component of heaven is this. It is the most accessible place in the universe. In a true sense, the new heaven and the new earth will be the most accessible place ever. Look at chapter 22, verse 2. In the middle of its street, this is the tree of life. Does anybody else's Bible say something different than in the middle of the street? You know, one version, the, the net, the New English translation, I think that was the version. It says, basically it says on Main Street. And that's the basic idea of this text is... That tree of life, apparently the one that was in the Garden of Eden, it could be that tree, but this tree which gives fruitfulness and fullness, is it literal, is it figurative? What we do know is it gives fruitfulness and fullness, and there's this river of life, and here in verse 1 when it says water of life, it's zoe, not, not bios, and it's pure, it's clear, it's crystal, and it comes from God the Father and the Lamb, the, the Redeemer, and all of this is right there in the middle of Main Street, and it's given all kinds of fullness and, and fruitfulness. For who? For all the nations. One of the pictures of heaven is it's very accessible for who? For anybody's name who's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So for anybody who has said, Jesus, I would like to be saved. Please save me. I'm a sinner. Lord, would you please forgive me? That person can have access to heaven. You know, in one sense, it's narrow, right? What Jesus said, narrow is the gate. But if you're saved, how many gates are there to the city, New Jerusalem? You know, there's, there's what, 12, I think? 12 gates. And this tree of life, whatever it might be, it's at least representing this abundant life that we have in Christ. It's coming from God the Father and Jesus the Redeemer. And it's flowing right there in the middle, right there in the middle of the street or right there in the middle of Main Street. The, the picture that's being painted is that it, it's accessible. So think about these people that were alive and that John is writing to. Was seeing Nero, or whoever the emperor was, was he easily accessible? Was it accessible to go into the court just really easy? Was it accessible to get an audience and to get grace and to get mercy and to get, could you go into the highest, the most regal, the most powerful place of that kingdom and have an instant hearing? No. Even today we can't do that, you know. You have to make an appointment. And then maybe even then you have to bribe somebody. But not here. 
It's those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Few people had access to the king. Few people had access to the most life-giving substances. Today, if, if you want to have a type of life-giving treatment, is it free? Is it very expensive? It's normally very expensive. Well, here it's talking about not just bios, but the water of life is Zoe. That means special, abundant, spiritual life, and it's it's free. The lamb paid for it by his own death, by his own blood, by his substitute for all those who, who trust him have equal access to it. I think perhaps we could think of it this way. Being a party-line Democrat doesn't get you into heaven and to that abundant water of life. And we would all say, yes, probably, yes, amen, that's, that's for sure. Being a Republican also doesn't get you any closer to the Lamb and doesn't give you any more access to that water of life. Only the Lamb can. You could be Republican and be MAGA. And that's not going to get you to the water of life. Your name has to be written in, in the Lamb's book. You have to know Christ. But if you know Christ, then you can have this abundant life. In that sense, it's accessible. It's narrow in the sense you have to trust Jesus Christ. But you can be white, black, American Indian, East Indian. You can be short. You can be tall. You could be a wider person. You could be a not-so-wide person. You could be a thin person. It doesn't matter. If you know Jesus, then you have access. And I think this is one of the, the themes that we see here with all the gates and with this water of life that's here in John's vision, accessible. It's free. It's right there in the open. And if you know Christ and you're in heaven, you can be part of it. You could be a Roman Catholic that doesn't get you into the water of life. You could go to a Reformed church. That doesn't mean that you have instant access to the water of the river of life. You have to know who? Christ, the Lamb. But if you know the Lamb, it doesn't matter who you are. That thief that was on the cross, when he went to heaven, did God say, you know, you just, you've only been saved like for three minutes. You have to wait a while. No. Instant access, as it were, to the water of life. Right? And so you, you can rejoice in that because the, the truth is there are, there are some Christians that are better than you. Even here, some of you may be really pressing on with Christ. Some of you may not be so pressing on with Christ. But if you know Jesus, you have equal access to the water of life. And that's incredible. That's heaven. And that's why even you think, I think you have the parable that Jesus told about the workers in the vineyard. You know, some worked all day, got paid a, an amount of money. Others worked for one hour and they got the same pay. What? <laughs> How can you do this? God can pay you first whatever he wants you to pay. Getting anything is mercy. Just access to heaven is mercy. But everybody has access to the water of life to abundance. And so we praise God for that. Further, another component of heaven is that heaven is more glorious than any other place. 
because the Lord is there personally. Look at chapter 21, verse 22. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Some of you are saying, praise God, I don't have to go to church. When I get to heaven, I never have to go to church again. Did you know that? When you get to heaven, you don't have to go to a church. Because the whole city is church. The whole heaven is church. Verse 23, And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. So it's apparently the whole triune God, especially God the Father and God the Son, who are, especially Jesus, who is not veiling His glory like He did when He was incarnated, but letting that shine forth, and it's at least as bright as brighter than the sun. It's incredible. Keep looking at this passage, and if you come down a little bit further into chapter 22, again it says, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and it appears to be accessible even to to all the nations, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But if you keep looking at this passage, verse 3 of 22, and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. God is right there. And his bondservant shall serve him. And then look at verse 4. Some of the most beautiful words, I think, that are in Scripture. And they shall see his face. You know, to be, to, to be honest, I, I have to be careful because I have seen, I think, almost of the chosen. And I think the one with Nebuchadnezzar, not Nebuchadnezzar, Nicodemus. Where Jesus talks to Nicodemus is really good. The woman at the well is really good. But sometimes now, if I think of Jesus, I see the actor's face. <laughs> I don't think that's how Jesus looks. There's going to come a time, though, when you look at this passage, it says they will. They will see his face. Can you think of some more beautiful words? You know, maybe, you know, of course, Romans 5, 8, about God's love. They shall see his face. Why? Because Jesus Christ is there. The Lord is there. Now, I think of uh, my mom. When my mom passed away, she closed her eyes. She opened them. And who did she see? Jesus. Right now, my father, he, he prayed. He said, Lisa's mom said he prayed to receive Christ. Trusting that that's true, he dies even perhaps now. Closes his eyes. Opens them. And then who's there? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that's going to be like? That we see our Savior, our Lord? Has Jesus ever sinned against you, ever? Do you know anybody that's never sinned against you? I mean, somebody that that you know personally. Everybody that I know personally, in some way or another, has probably sinned against me. But never Jesus. Friends and family have failed and forsaken me, and I've failed and forsaken them. Has Jesus ever done that? Has Jesus ever not kept the promise? The Savior, the Lamb, our King, always faithful. Our great heart priest, the one that sits on the throne of grace. And they shall see his face. The truth is that one day all of us will get to see Jesus face to face. 
And for, for how long will we get to see Jesus? Forever. Forever. It, it isn't like if, I don't know, whoever he was, your favorite president, Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, and you, you got to visit and spend how much time, do you think? Like if you won a special prize and there's a living, important, prominent person today and you could go see them. How much time do you think you would get to spend with them? You know, maybe for me, it'd be Phil Keggy, Christian guitarist. I'd like to spend some time with him. How much time? Okay, that was one hour. $200, please. Maybe something like that. But with Jesus Christ, and we don't understand how that's all going to work out. And maybe it's just my head, but sometimes I start thinking, so whenever I want to speak to Christ, is there going to be like this long, long line? Again, lines. I, I go to Disney World in those lines. So and when we're in heaven, is there going to be this line of, you know, 10 billion people in line waiting to talk to Christ? How long is that going to take? Do I have to wait in line? Well, when we look at Scripture, it doesn't seem there's any line like that. Do we understand how that's going to happen? No. But we have instant access to him, immediate access to him, and we will see his face. And the, the intensity here and the intent of it is not just like you're over here and you're like, oh, look, look where there's Jesus. I see his face. It's Jesus. Can you imagine you pass away, you open your eyes, I love my mom. I'm probably not going to see my mom first thing. I'm going to see who? Jesus. My Savior, my King, my Lord. That's why we want to go to heaven. Because who's there? Jesus is there. Our great high King, our Savior, the one that freely, joyfully laid down his life for us. That defeated Satan and sin for us. That was the substitute, the scapegoat for our sins. He's going to be there. That's it. That's incredible. That's why heaven is like a home. It's like paradise. It's, of course, better than any type of dessert because Jesus is there. And so we praise God for that. Also, then, we can say this. Heaven is more culturally beautiful than anywhere in this universe. What do I mean? Well, I, perhaps you can use a, a, a different word than culturally. But if you look at these verses, if you look, if you remember this passage that I read, even here in chapter 22, it says the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Even in chapter 21, verse 24, it says, and the nations shall walk by its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. Verse 26, and the honor of the nations into it. I'm not sure why they translated as nations. That's a possible translation. And it places a common translation. But it's more like, it's the same word in Matthew 28, verse 19, go and make disciples of all the nations. A more precise translation would be go and make disciples of all the let me add a translation, maybe a paraphrase. Go and make a disciple of all the ethnic groups. It's the Greek word ethnos. Some people would prefer it to be translated all the people groups. So heaven is going to be actually the most diverse place in the universe. Today we're, not we, but you know, the world is really big on diversity. They have no idea 
about diversity. None. Because God created, actually, all the diversity. <laughs> he created all the people groups and, and, and all the nations and all the colors. And they're all made in his image. And it's going to be like, somebody said, heaven is like church. <laughs> because in a biblical church, you have you have some Asians, you have some Caucasians, you have... Indians, you have all kinds of different people groups that partake, that, that, that are part of a church. And so here when it says nations, it isn't the, the best idea, because it's more like tribes. It would be more like, not even like Washingtonians compared to Floridians. It'd be more like Puyallups compared to Rentons or Lakewoods this common community of, of people and language groups all coming together. And that's what heaven is going to be like because what do we have in common? Jesus. <laughs> and we also have in common that we, we were all saved by who? By Christ. And we are all loved by who? By Christ. <laughs> and we're all saved because none of us deserved to go to heaven. We're all in the same boat and we're all going to be in the same place and we were all saved and loved by the same person. And that's, that's Christ. So it's truly the most culturally diverse, incredible group that's ever existed. And that's why it's home. And that's why it's going to be beautiful. And so we praise God for that. This passage keeps going. Another one is this. Heaven's going to be filled with super abundant life that will be so mind-shattering and glorious that I, I imagine probably, at least I will be, I'm sure many of you won't be able to stop talking about it. What am I talking about? Well, it talks about, in chapter 22, it talks about this water of life, and it's Zoe life, but also it talks about, in verse 2 of chapter 22, yielding its fruit every month, and for the healing of the nations, which can be, yes, spiritual healing, but there could also be physical healing there. It talks about, in verse 3, there should no longer be any curse. The wages of sin is death. Sickness ultimately comes because of because of sin. But the Bible is teaching that there's such a life in heaven where not only are sins forgiven, but Christ and his gospel is so powerful that we're going to get glorified bodies and perfected spirits and souls and minds. We, we will never, ever sin again. There'll be no tears, there'll be no death, there'll be no destruction, there'll, there'll be no sin, there'll be no sadness, there'll be no disappointment, there'll be no tragedies ever, 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 ever. Nobody will get in trouble ever, 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 ever again. There'll be no sadness, no no disappointment, no crime, uh, no, no bad thought, no, no temptation to a bad thought, ever, forever and forever and forever. And then any type of physical infirmity you had is gone. Is over with. Forever. And that is... Is it true? It, it, it's... 
mind-boggling. It, it, it's absolutely incredible and absolutely true. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians 15, which will talk about our future resurrection bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body, an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And even in Philippians 3, Paul talks about that same body and says that it's going to be in conformity to the glorious body of Christ. Isn't that astounding? That we die, I'm not trying to cross all my T's, dot all my I's with the exact timing of all the eschatological events. But we, we die, we open our eyes, we see Jesus, and we have perfected, glorified bodies that can never, ever decay. And that all of us are equally, gloriously beautiful, you know, all the time, right? I, I was talking to a few of you, even today. Sometimes I don't even want to look in a mirror, especially with my glasses on. If I get close to a mirror and I look at myself, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting better. I'm getting worse. And then Lisa will be over there. So she'll say, stop talking about yourself so much. I'll say, no, I'm talking about how bad I look. And she'll say, yeah, stop talking about yourself so much. Why are you talking about you? Tom, you know, focus on the Lord. And then if I put my glasses on and look at myself, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, who is that person? I, oh, take it off, take it off. And I think as we get older, we can all, to one degree or another, be tempted that way because we see the decay in our bodies. We begin to fall apart. However, there's going to come a day when truly we will be forever young and, and glorious, and all of us will be much more beautiful than we are now. That's why I said heaven's going to be awesome because the place is glorious, but the people are even more glorious. And each of us will be reflecting equally the, the, the glory of Christ. Even Colossians talk about the hope that is in us is the glory of Christ. And we're going to be reflecting that. That is, that's incredible. That, that helps me to keep going on in life. Because young people, as you get older, your bodies don't get better. <laughs> they, they get worse, man. Doesn't matter how hard I work to stay in shape. <laughs> people were passing me going down the hill that I didn't want to pass me. And they were passing me. That was I'm going to be in better shape next year. And what's going to happen? They're still going to pass me. <laughs> But the scripture says there'll be no curse. We're going to have abundant life. It's going to be awesome. It's true. Even, and it's not, it's not just me waxing on about it because I'm getting older. Paul talks about in Romans 18, verse 18, that when we suffer bodily affliction, we have to realize that even in the future, that there's going to be a, a more surpassing glory that we're going to receive. Bodies of glorious redemption. Because your, your, your body's not evil. Your body is good, and you were made in the image of God. And the truth is, God's not done with you yet, spiritually and physically. That's true. There is healing in the atonement. By his stripes, you are healed. That's spiritual. 
It's also physical, but the physical will happen in the future. And this is all going to be in the new heaven and the new earth, and it's going to be glorious. We have to think about these things, not just once a year. Read about this, think about this, memorize some verses about this to encourage yourself. We can go on a little bit more. There are two other places we can look at, and I think they're, I think they're difficult to understand. If you look at verse four, uh, verse three, it says, "And his bond servants shall serve him." His bond servants shall serve him. Some versions may translate that worship him, and each translation is is okay. It is getting at an aspect of this. It's the idea of worshiping him, I would say, through service. But how do we serve him? We're in heaven. I can understand we serve the Lord right now. You know, uh, all of you served Lisa and gave her $400, and she used it and flew home to be with her daddy. There are needs, and so we serve. Are are there going to be needs in heaven? (laughs) No. What does this mean? <laughs> and so that's why some people just translate it as worship. But because it talks about his bond servants will worship him, others see it also as not just that we are 24-7, except there won't be 24-7 in heaven because the sun never sets. Jesus is the light. But just for us to have some understanding, it's not that we're going to be worshiping Christ in terms of being by his throne for eternity, I I think there's a little bit more, say that with with reverence and respect to the Lord that we'll be doing. And I, I base that upon passages like, I think it's Matthew 18 and some other places, where it talks about that if there's a person and they get 10 talents and they use those 10 talents wisely... Maybe they make 10 more talents. What's God going to do? He's going to give them more talents to use. More resources to use. And I think what we see in scriptures is that there'll be different types of, you could say works, you could say projects, you could say opportunities, you could say different types of service ministries that all of us would be involved in to some degree. What is it going to consist of? I have no idea. I have no, I have no idea. Because th- there'll be no needs in heaven. But I think we can say it this way. Think of the greatest, most significant project you could ever work on. Think of the most significant job you could ever, ever have. It won't compare to the work that you'll be doing in heaven. It's going to be incredibly awesome to serve our Lord face to face. And he'll give us some type of occupation, work, service that's suited just for us and gives him glory and that we will incredibly enjoy forever and forever and forever. 
this passage also says, when you look at it, it says, because of, at the end, verse 5, because the Lord shall illumine them and they shall reign forever and ever. You know, if I ever heard somebody was singing, is it the, the hallelujah chorus? And how, how does that go? And he will, is it rain forever and ever. So one time when they're singing that, stop them and said, hey, wait, wait, wait. And I will reign forever and ever. And I will, and I will reign forever. Would we ever sing that? We'd be like, blasphemy! Toss him out! But then when you read this passage, what does it say? Does it say he or they? Maybe I... I, I it says they. They will reign forever and ever. Who's the they talking about? It's talking about the saints. It's talking about these bond servants. They shall not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. It's talking about believers. <laughs> Who are we going to reign over? <laughs> I have no idea. You know, because even if, and I am, I'm pre-mill, so that would mean that Christ is going to reign on the earth for a thousand years and people will be born and then I can reign over those people. This is after all that. This is the new heaven and the new earth. Well, it means I'm going to reign over Satan. Satan will already be in hell. There'll be no temptation. So who is it that we're going to reign over? We're going to reign with Christ? I don't know. You know, there's... Many commentaries, many books, many people say many things, but nobody has any idea, really. Because the Bible doesn't really say. It could mean that we're going to share in his power and his authority forever. Certainly, that's true. Is there more to it than that? It seems to be. And they will reign forever and forever and forever. At least it means that we will, in Christ, have dominion over any type of evil and darkness and death forever and forever and forever and forever. That's heaven. And that's glorious. And this life that we are living right now, it's all prologue. It is. It's truly prologue. And when I die and you die, you open your eyes, you see Jesus, then you're in chapter one. Because it's forever. Right now, maybe we'll live 80 years. If the Lord tarries, that would be great. If the Lord comes, that would be great. If he tarries, then maybe we get 80 years. But then it's eternal. And a world that is glorious, a world of perfect love forever and forever and ever, where there's no darkness ever. Where I don't have to say, I love you guys. I have to go. I have to bowl. I have to go back. Please pray for me as I try to stay awake and drink Craig's coffee because I'm going to go home, talk to my wife. I'm going to pray with her. I'm going to pray with mom. I'm going to pray with Norik and Erico. I'm going to keep praying for my daddy. Lord, be sure he's saved, Lord. There's going to be sorrow for my wife and, and her mom and sister. But not always. There'll come a day when death and sadness will be gone and darkness forever and forever. And you will reign over death. You will reign over sadness and darkness because of him. 
Not yet. It will be soon. Sooner than we think. Therefore, let us follow him. Let us disciple others. Let's be focused and press forward for Christ. Jesus is real. (laughs) He is real. Lord, we thank you that you are real. We thank you that you have prepared a home for us, Lord. Help our minds and help our hearts to be focused on you and on heaven so we can be of earthly good here. Help us to understand those things and to be mastered by these truths, Lord. We give you praise. We give you the glory because you are worthy, Jesus. We thank you. Amen.